With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Monday marked the first day of padded practices for the Seahawks, along with other teams in the NFL. And Pete Carroll took to the podium to talk about it. He talked about the defensive line in the interior, as well as the pass rush on the outside. Coach Carroll also talks about a couple of the guys who could move inside to rush the passer, considering their lack of depth at defensive tackle. We'll also get to hear some thoughts on the offensive line and some of the players Coach Carroll is excited about there. And some good news as Chris Carson was back on the field. And it sounded like he was looking really good coming off that hip injury that he suffered late last season. There was a little bit of concern over the weekend about Jaron Reed and Puna Ford. Alistair Corp has an article about it up on fieldgoals.com. And Pete addressed some of the concern about the injuries to Reed and Ford in his opening remarks. Today's the first day we put on, on shoulder pads, uh, which, is, which is good to get back to that part of the, the game, which is kind of the real part. Um, up until now, we've... Um, I love our progress. Uh, things have been going well. As I said to you, the uh, the preparation in terms of Zoom and, and virtual meetings and all of that um, worked out really, really well. And so uh, we're hopefully we'll just keep growing. We got to have one good day and then have another good day and keep stacking those up. Puna Ford and uh, Jay Reed, those guys were slowed down, but they're in the walkthrough today and they they look like they're going to be okay. Doesn't look like they're serious injuries at all. But we'll take care of them. We're looking after some guys right now in the first push of camp. Sometimes it's a bit of a shock to their system. And, and uh, so we're looking to you know, look after guys as they go through the, you know, showing us where they are and where, you know, how they handle the workload. So everything's going good and uh, having fun. It was Jaron Reed who appeared to be limping after one of the drills over the weekend. And he ended up sitting out. Coach Carroll offered a little bit more detail about Reed's injury. Uh, yeah, Jay Reed, his knee was a little bit sore. Um, from the, the work, really, we think he overworked a little bit, and um, all the, the the tests that we did, MRIs and all that stuff, you know, was was really clear. So um, he was back out doing walkthrough again today. Looks like he could he could likely practice if he need if we needed to play a game this week, he could play. Um, but uh, we're gonna look after him again. It's so early in camp, we need to take care of these guys, make sure that nothing lingers. With the injuries to Ford and Reed, it obviously brings about some concern over the defensive line depth because those two are clearly the two established starters right in the middle of the defensive line. So Pete addresses whether there are any concerns about the lack of NFL game experience for those backups at defensive tackle. Oh, isn't that awesome? Think how, think how young these guys, all these guys got all the games ahead of them. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited about uh, Brian Monet. Um, when you go back, I went back, did a little special study on him this summertime. Just to kind of see again, you know, and look, look going into camp, you know, what can we expect from him? He played really well in, in, the, in the plays he played last year. Uh, he, he plays really stout and strong, and he is willing to run like crazy, uh, chase the football. He had two highlight plays in, our, in practice, in the pre-practice of, of viewing we showed today, of just giving great effort. Um, he's, you know, he came to us about 350-something. He's, he's 340, I think, the other day, so he's a big man. And uh, so I think he, he gives us 
because he's been with us in second year, he feels like he's been around. Uh, he knows our stuff, and, he, and he's real, a real bright player too. So uh, he's definitely in the rotation. So that, you know, with behind Puna and, and, and Jay Reed, uh, we know that, that he can play football. We like him playing on the center, like him playing nose, and uh, like he played in college. So that helps us out. Um, uh, Christmas is important to us, how he develops. And, and uh, he's, you know, he's, this is the first time really we've seen him. He's really like a rookie right now because last year just didn't amount to much of anything for him, unfortunately. But he's had a good offseason, and he's, he's right in the mix of it too. Um, that, but also, you know, you'll see uh, in time, uh, Rasheem Green and, and LJ Collier will play in there too at the three techniques spot in and out, and they'll be ready to do that, particularly in, in nickel situations. But those guys will add too. So it looks a, looks a little different when, when you start to mix our guys. That we do have some depth, and we have some guys that can play and, and, and give us some real good athleticism. It can be a really fast defense, uh, and it'll it'll start with those guys' ability to run up front. Now that we've heard that Rasheem Green and LJ Collier are two players he sees as guys who have the ability to rotate inside from the defensive end spots, how about a look at some of the players who are set to go after the quarterback primarily from the edge? Last we heard from Pete Carroll, he talked about how second-round pick Daryl Taylor was still recovering from his off-season surgery for a stress fracture on his shin. What will Coach Carroll need to see from Taylor before he's able to play in a game? We'd really like to get him two good weeks, you know, of work um, with us. And so the race is on to get there, you know, and, and that um, we'll see what that means. I, I, I say that not knowing anything about what he looks comparative in comparison to other guys. But it, it two weeks at least to get working would be what we want. If we get less, we'll go with what we know. And, and uh, we've got to make sure he's ready. We would, not, we would not rush him back just to get him on the field. I, I won't do that. But we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, he, he was a guy that played injured all last year, and he, and he played really well under the circumstances. Uh, and uh, so he's a very tough kid. He'll hang in there as he comes back. He's dying to get on a practice. He would practice right now if we'd let him. So uh, we're, we're holding him back, and I, I think he'll bounce back really quickly. He is doing a lot of conditioning work and stuff that he can do with the trainers and all that. So, um, But I would like him to see a couple weeks before we, you know, we really counted on him in, in, in the first game. Sounds relatively positive. But I think there's some cause for concern about being even remotely ready if Taylor hasn't even progressed beyond walking or jogging when his surgery was all the way back in January. He hasn't run yet. We haven't even let him run yet. We're really taking care of him and making sure that when he gets back, he stays back. Um, it's really frustrating for him. He was dying to get to camp, you know, and, and, and get rolling. But um, uh, the, they did a couple of procedures for him to make sure that um, we're doing everything they can early on so that he can really come busting back. When, when he jumps back out there, um, we, we know he's going to be a factor. It's going to make a difference, too, just to see his speed on the field, too. So we're really excited to get him back. But we just got to wait it out and be patient. Um, I would, you know, uh, it's going to be a bit just to make sure, to ensure that. Pete was asked about a comparison of Taylor's situation to Collier's situation from the preseason a year ago. Carroll thought the question was about his personal assessment on LJ Collier. So we got to hear the coach's thoughts on how last year's first round pick is looking so far this preseason. He looks different. He just looks different. You know, I think, and I talked to him yesterday about this, coming off the draft year and, and you know, all of the confusion, all of the, the distractions that, and he, he probably not in his best shape. He isn't because I see it now. And then he goes to camp and he gets banged up, has a nasty injury, doesn't, doesn't even get started at all. Now, to see him now, he looks like a different guy. He, he's quicker, he's explosive, he's in great shape. And he's battling. And so he, he just, it was just, he wasn't ready last time around uh, getting into camp, getting hurt. We never did get a chance to find out. But 
he's off to a terrific start. So, um, uh, you know, we all need to see that from him. So it's good. Benson Mayoa signed on with the team as a free agent this offseason, a one-year deal worth about $3 million. It's a bit of a homecoming for Mayoa. He was an undrafted free agent in 2013 and played in the first two games of the Super Bowl winning season for the Seahawks. He was then waived in 2014 and went on to play all 16 games with the Raiders that year. He's since played with the Cowboys, the Arizona Cardinals, and then he went back to the Raiders last year where he had a career-high seven sacks. How much change has Pete Carroll seen from Mayoa from when he was initially brought onto the team? He's been a real, a real nice surprise that he's he's really a pass rusher. You, you know, you can see it in his mode of play, his get off on the Atlanta scrimmage. Um, you know, he was an outside backer mixing kind of in and out before when we had him. But uh, he's he's learned a lot over the years, and, and he comes to us really fit in the position well. And um, so uh, he's off to a good start. Has some real good highlight rushes yesterday. So what are some of the things that Pete remembers about Mayoa from his time with the Seahawks in 2013 and 2014? Nothing but good stuff. You know, that he, he was uh, a raw player coming in, um, but a good athlete. And, and, you know, we really took him for, for the upside. And, and so that we just, John just figured it out how to wait around for the upside to come on back to us. So uh, we're lucky we got him back now. Pete went on to talk about the dynamic between the two biggest pass rushing acquisitions. He says that Mayoa will play the Leo, which is the defensive end spot that Cliff Averill played so well for many years and Bruce Irvin as a Sam, the strong side linebacker. Coach Carroll was asked about the observation that both Irvin and Mayoa look like they're having a lot of fun out there. Um, they are. They, they, they're both excited about the role that they have. You know, uh, the Sam and the Leo spots, um, they're, you know, it's a race to the quarterback. They got a little comp going on already. They, they, you know, they want to, you know, they, they're trying to outdo each other, which is perfect uh, mentality. Um, I think the focus for, for uh Benson over the years to be more of a rusher has really helped him. And uh, where he was a backer, he was playing the sandbacker spot for a while and then mixing both. He needed to really zero in to become uh, an adept pass rusher. He's got good stuff. He's got a good get off, um, got good change up stuff, good up and unders. He, he, he just is a much more accomplished football player, as is Bruce, too, in their pass rush. And it shows. Just in the first couple of days, you can just feel the constant of the edge, which is so important for us. We all, this is what we, we came back to this camp to find. And, and I will say that uh, in the first couple of days, Alton Robinson's had a couple of good days, too, and a couple of good rushes. So that's really exciting for us as well. Put Daryl into the mix, and, and it should be a good mix. So there's a really good juice about those guys for sure. On the radio, Pete Carroll recently called Bruce Irvin the best strong side linebacker they've had on the team since Pete's time in Seattle. He addresses the attributes that Bruce has that makes him the right player for that particular position and some of the things Irvin does much better now than he did from his previous four years with the team. Yeah, well, it, it's all the years that he's put behind him since we had him, you know, it, as well. He's been, uh, you know, a big rusher at, at Carolina. Uh, you know, he rushed quite a bit at, at, at the Raiders. Um, Atlanta used him too, you know, so he's had just more time to rush and he's more grooved than he's been. Um, he's a great athlete for the spot. He's, he's really perfect for the, for the position because he's fast enough to run down the field and cover tight ends. He's terrific coming off the edge. Uh, he's got good sense for all of the, the little nuances, you know, about fit and runs and things like that. He's just a real vet. And, uh, uh, you know, th this was a, it's a great story, you know, for us to, to get him to come back. I tried to get him a couple times, you know, you know, we couldn't get it done in past years. J just to bring him back to us, he's, you know, he's, he's just grown up so much and he's so mature about his world and his family and, you know, and the whole thing. He is just really, it's a great story. And, uh, 
No, he looks really good. And, and, and it's really such a cool group uh, with all that background and that experience. There's like nothing you can throw at him that he hadn't done before or hadn't seen before. Right off the bat yesterday, he made a couple great little decisions on pickups in, in, uh, in, blitz, in, in the blitzes that we called. Just the little things that he can do really well now. He wasn't always great at that stuff. You know, he was a young, young guy learning his way. Now he's just, he's really grooved, and uh, we're lucky to have him. Could K.J. Wright also play that Sam role? One reason to do that would be if they wanted to work in first-round pick Jordan Brooks more at the weak side linebacker spot where K.J. traditionally plays. Yeah, he has done it. You know, we, we, matter of fact, first few days we was ever here, you know, we were, we were thinking that. So, um, and he's been there. We, I've, I've got a whole cut-ups of him playing over the years on the edge so that, you know, I can see what he looks like. That's all part of what was going on in the offseason. He, he could do that if we need him to do that. Right now, we're, we're not, there's no changes or anything going on. What has Coach Carroll had a chance to learn about Brooks so far and what he can bring to the team? He looks the part. He really looks the part. He, uh, he's got a great body. He's built di- differently than, than we've seen guys. He's really big, uh, you know, legs and hips and, and button and really low, low center of gravity, really powerful guy. And he's very quick and explosive. So uh, he's already shown that a number of times. He's shown some really good instincts playing off blockers, uh, which is not always a natural thing, but he uses his hands real well. Um, he may, he's made <clears throat> really a really good first impression. He looks the part all the way and uh, he's real serious. Um, he's learning. You know, we're really trying to get him to really groove into how we practice so his mentality is really on it every step of every day. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have a chance to, uh, you know, to, to, to do this unless he's really into it the whole time. It's good for him to get a chance to play early in the season. He's going to have to have a great camp. So, uh, you know, he, he's off to a good start. What does Carroll make of all the options he now has at linebacker this season? Pete says the combination of speed and experience at the position makes this an exciting group. Well, it's a good deal now. Yeah, uh, Cody has looked great, and, uh, and BBK has looked really good too. Um, so uh, that, that gives us a, a real nice mix, and it, we're feeling like there's a little bit of experience. There's a lot of juice and a lot of speed in the, in the group. You know, also uh, uh, with Griff in there too, they, everybody can fly, you know, so... Um, It's an exciting group. Lastly, on defense, we move to the secondary to talk about Quentin Dunbar. Coach Carroll was spotted working with the cornerback one-on-one, and Pete said in talking to him the other day, he learned that Dunbar had spent some time learning the system from Marquand Manuel. Those of us who followed the team in the Holmgren era probably remember that name well. Manuel played for the Seahawks in 2004. He started at free safety for most of 2005, and his injury in the Super Bowl well, it was the refs that cost us that game anyway, so we probably don't need to get into that. But Manuel came back to Seattle in 2012 as an assistant coach and followed Dan Quinn to Atlanta to be the secondary coach there. And it's because of that history where Marquand was able to coach up Dunbar in the offseason to help him get ready to come to Seattle. I found out that he, uh, he spent a lot of time working out with uh, Marquand Manuel. Marquand was here a couple years back. And he knows all of our terminology technique-wise. He's already been—he's already been drilled at it. Uh, I didn't know that coming, and I never thought to ask that question. So he's really familiar with what we're talking about technically. So that gives him a real jump. Uh, you know, sometimes a guy comes in who's played quite a bit, and, and you're telling him stuff he hadn't heard before, and they got to figure out when do I—you know—when can I use it, when can I not? Um, that's not happening. So uh, this should be a quick transition for him. Um, I do love working with these guys. You know, it's always my favorite group to, to mess with, and, and particularly the, the press corners and all that. So, um, yeah, this is fun, and I'm anxious to see him. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep him under wraps a little bit as we start uh, these first few days with us because he hasn't had an offseason with us at all. And, 
but he'll get going, give him a week before we really get a chance to really check him out. Coming up next, we're talking offensive line and the guy who might be Pete Carroll's favorite offseason acquisition. And we'll hear who that is up next. As of right now, the Seahawks are only returning two of their starting offensive linemen from last season. On top of that, they've missed out on some critical offseason time to work together on their communication. Coach Carroll was asked about how the offensive line has been working together, and Pete also gets into what he likes about third-round pick Damian Lewis, who sounds like he's penciled in right now as the starter at right guard. We're just getting started, so I really can't give you a, a great indicator where we are. But um, it's a smart group, and they're communi- communicating well. These guys really benefited from all of the work that, that they did, uh, you know, the mental work that we did in the offseason. Um, uh, Damian Lewis, is, uh, he, he's, a, he's a special football player. He's got a tremendous body for the position. He's got a great, uh, this great body mass low, and he's really, really powerful. You can see him in positions already, you know, torquing and, and, and all that shows that he can return to balance really well, which is you know, a real good trait for offensive linemen. He's really smart. Um, he's studied really hard. Uh, the guys already can sense that you can count on him to, to know what's going on. And so he's off to a really good start. Um, he, he moves well in, on the second level, and he's done a nice job already just showing us that he, he can pull and get on the edge. So he's done nothing but good stuff so far. I had a good sit-down with him a couple days back and, and had a chance to just kind of go back real seriously about expectations and what he's counting on and what he's trying to do and you know, how he's going about it. I was really impressed how squared away he is. And so you know, I had heard that from, from his head coach. You know, Eddie had told me that you can really count on this guy to come in and make an impression early that he's, gonna, he's in it. He's in the competition. Exactly the truth. Um, so he, that's where it is, and uh, that's that position is you know widely competed for also. Um, but he he has really demonstrated all of the stuff we would hope to have seen at this point. But it's not the acquisition of the right guard Lewis and a player that gave them the confidence that they could move on from a guy like DJ Fluker at the position. It's actually their offseason acquisition of right tackle Brandon Shell, who played for the New York Jets last season, who Coach Carroll sounds most excited about. Might be my favorite uh, acquisition because he looks so much the part. Um, he's big kid, got good body control. I mean, there's just there hasn't been a thing about him that hasn't looked good, and uh, his consistency and his technique um, is really, really you know a joy to see. Um, I think he's going to be really good. He can get downfield, he can get on the edge and block, um, and he's stout in pass protection so far. You know, we can see some more, a lot more stuff here, but. Um, but if, I've watched tons of film on him because I've seen other guys and other, you know, other teams that I've studied and all of that. So I've watched most of his season and, from last year, and he just, he just is really consistent. He's really consistent, and he's physical enough to be dominant. So uh, I'm, I'm really fired up about that because that was a big move right there, you know, to lose a tackle that played four years for us and then come back and, and get a guy that really looks the part. Um, he's going to be hard for anybody to move out of there. He, he's, he's, he's on his game. Moving over to the other tackle spot, probably – the only player on the offensive line who really doesn't have to worry about losing his spot is left tackle Dwayne Brown. He sat out practice on Sunday. Pete said that was just about managing the amount of practice time for the established veteran. We're trying to take care of him. Yeah, over the long haul. You know, he's in incredible shape. He's just pumped and, and looks quick as ever. Um, so it's, you know, he, he, he can get by with, with lesser workload and uh, long haul thinking for us, you know, and, and so... And the young guys need the work, you know. Cedric needs to get as many reps as he can to show us what he can do. Cedric refers to Cedric Abwehi. 
He was drafted by the Bengals at number 21 overall in 2015 and played there for four years before going to Jacksonville last season. He's a player the Seahawks are hoping to provide the team with some depth after the loss of George Fant to the New York Jets. So how did Abwehi look filling in for Dwayne Brown? He totally looks the part. You know, he was the number one for a reason. He's got great feet. He's got great flexibility. Uh, he moves really well. Um, you know, it's really a good get for us. It's hard to find guys that have the physicality to play left tackle, and he's, he can do that. So uh, we just need, need to get him in the system and get him really sh sharp with what we're doing and, and see how it goes, you know. And uh, that would be a, um, that, that's an example of a guy who doesn't benefit from this, this process, you know, without the preseason because we would get a great look at him uh, in games, but that's all we got. But um, that, it, it, we won't have as good a picture as we would like, you know, coming out of, uh, out of a normal preseason. So, um, but we've seen him on film, and he's done a lot of good stuff. We just need to get him to be a Seahawk and, and play our way. What about 33-year-old left guard Mike Upati, who re-signed with the team this offseason? After starting 15 of the 16 regular season games in 2019, is it his job to lose? How does Coach Carroll characterize the competition at that left guard spot? Mike's been around a long time. He's a really established veteran and a really good ball player. Um, and yeah, the competition is on, as it always is. But yeah, he's, he's taken all the first snaps, you know, um, to get us started in camp. Uh, but he's got, he's got some formidable uh, competition there with Philip Haynes and, and, and Simmons. And we got some, some guys that can move in there and give us some real big body work. Um, and those guys look pretty good coming out of the shoot. So we'll see how it goes. Free agent acquisition from the Steelers, B.J. Finney seems to be the odds-on favorite to take over at center. And the team recently cut Joey Hunt after they signed him to a restricted free agent tender in the offseason. Was that move something that shows that Ethan Posick could be a part of the competition at center? Yes, you know, that, that it is. It is that and, and uh, um, seeing where, where B.J. fits in and also uh, Kyle Fuller. You know, those guys are all, um, they're going to rotate in there and see how everybody does. But uh, Ethan does know how to play the position. He hasn't been able to feature, be featured at that spot. Um, but now that's what we're going with. You know, he, he played everything in college, but played most of his snaps at center and where he, I thought he always looked the best. So um, he had a fantastic offseason. He's really it looks as primed as he's been and um, had a couple of good first days to get it started. So competition's on. Running back Chris Carson, who fractured his hip in the loss to the Cardinals last season, was back on the field. He did miss a couple of days due to a death in the family, but the reports were that he looked really good out there coming off that injury. The doc said that all along that he was going to be fine. He really is, is in tip-top shape, and, and uh, he had a real difficult family uh, uh, issue that they had to deal with, and, and uh, so we, we needed to give him all the time he needed. Uh, so, um, but he, he looked great yesterday, and a couple, you know, couple looks we had of him, he's really explosive, and you know, everybody was really fired up to get Chris back out there. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are clearly the two top guys at receiver for the team. But what about the guys competing for spots and catches behind them? Well, we're, really, it's, we're looking for, for Russ to, to connect with those guys, you know. And uh, the work that he spent in the offseason, which is really with the new guys, um, it, it's obvious. And he's our, that, that's well underway. Um, he's already hit Phillip on a number of plays just in the early days of camp here, utilizing his ability to get down the field. And Phillip's route running. Phillip is really a good, a good ball player. Um, knowing all the time that he's so fast, it just adds to it. So Russ has already bombed him a couple times. It looked great. Um, but it, it is, it, it's the chemistry, you know. He made a play with Greg yesterday on a blitz, and he had to throw hot. 
he laid up real early and over the top on a, a corner route that he had changed the route, you know, by the look. And, uh, I mean, and Greg makes a one-handed catch going out of bounds. I mean, it's just like, how did all that happen in, in you know, a couple of days into practice? But it did. And it's experienced players believing in one another uh, and developing chemistry. So that, that's really the, the biggest thing. The, these guys can all play. I'm not worried about them. And DK is so serious. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it'll be fun for you guys when you have a chance to, to you know, talk to him as you get through camp and the opportunities and all, just how focused he is and, and to see where, where his mind is. He is. He's had a great offseason. And he's just so tuned in that he, he's, he's really preparing to be a great player. And uh, it's really exciting to see that. Philip Dorsett joined the Seahawks this offseason after playing in New England last season and is looking like the most likely option to be the number three receiver. In 2019, that spot belonged to David Moore, who caught 17 passes for just over 300 yards. David Moore wasn't practicing this weekend, and neither was sixth-round pick Freddie Swain. They also sat out on Monday. Pete talks about their injury status. Demo just turned his ankle a little bit. We'll see if he can go today. It was just a couple days ago, so it's not serious at all. It may take another day or so. Uh, Freddie got a little bit of a groin thing that, that just kind of nicked him, so we got to make sure that we don't let that uh, get worse. So uh, he'll, he'll be quiet for a couple days now. And Freddie's, Freddie had a really good start so, so far, so we have seen him already, and uh, he's made a good first impression. And closing out the show, the Atlanta Falcons announced on Monday that they wouldn't have any fans in the stands throughout the month of September. Does that have any kind of impact for how they prepare for that week one game in Atlanta? No, it doesn't impact anything really other than we'll, we'll be familiar with it um, in that when we go into the stadium a couple times here, you know, there won't be any fans there. So that'll be our first chance. And we'll really try to use our imagination to, you know, to, to get the sense of that. Um, so, I mean, it's totally relative, you know, it's like, you know, not, to not have the 12s in the stadium. Okay, I don't know if that's relative because we have a great crowd that goes nuts. Um, other places, I don't know how much they count on their fans, but we have to, we'll, we'll be accustomed to it to some extent. And we'll get going really, it, it, once we're there and we've done it a couple times, it won't be a big deal. That does it for today's episode. Check out fieldgoals.com the rest of the week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for the live stream of Seahawks practice, as well as the open thread. The team will be off on Wednesday, so no practice on that day. And while you're at fieldgoals.com, you can take a look at John Gilbert's latest article, about using previous rosters to help project how many players at each position group Seattle could keep. It's one of those things that definitely helps when you're trying to build your own 53-man roster projection. So check that out. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And for those of you who help support the Seahawkers podcast at getintheflock.com, you can check out our newest bonus show as Adam and I go through Bill Barnwell's projection of Hall of Fame players who are active on current rosters. And we primarily focus on the NFC West in that episode. We also get into some surprising Madden rankings. That's up at getintheflock.com. Thanks for tuning into this show. I'll be back this week with more Seahawks talk. Until then, go Hawks. <laughs>